Jesus. Today I want to talk about something that I've talked about for the last 39 years. And uh, I've entitled it Eternal Praise. Thank God eternal praise won't be like our earthly praise. Eternal praise will be so much higher, so much better, so much more pure. So we have something to look forward to that's pretty awesome. Amen? So we say, Hosanna, Hosanna, and to the glorious God, the eternal King, the originator of all worship and praise and adoration that we can give. So today we just want to give him praise. We just want to tell what happened. We want to just tell the world that this is Holy Week and this is the week of his suffering and all the things that he did for us that we can have this glorious peace today that passes all understanding. So what an awesome moment. I never thought about this before, but what an awesome moment in the history of the world. You know, this this holy week, these 40 days that we can walk with Jesus. We've been just walking with him in a few places. We've missed so much just uh, in these 40 days. All the things, the Bible said, if you knew and could read all the things that he did, the books wouldn't hold it. Amen. So I like to know some of those things. When I get to heaven, that's the first thing I want to know. When I get to the questions, first I want to worship him and love him and look for my loved ones and all those glorious things. And then I want to sit down with the ancient of days and ask questions. How about you? How many know that when we get there, all the answers will come the minute we walk inside the heavens? Amen. We won't have to have those questions. But anyhow, I, I want to say that Palm Sunday is a great day because it kicks off. The hour of our salvation. And it is most historical moment that this world has ever seen. That somebody would bleed and die for me. And bring me an eternal gift. Is that not awesome? So Palm Sunday is the day, the glorious day that hearts were worshipful. And they seemed serious. But they had to deal with the the frailty of earth. And the same voices that sang Hosanna, some of those voices still said, crucify him, crucify him. And I think sometimes we worship the Lord, we love the Lord, we praise the Lord. But sometimes there's an action here or there that doesn't really bless the Lord. And that's what the discipline is all about, that we can grow in this season and be more spiritual than we were last year. So as we celebrate uh, Palm Sunday Jesus rides into the city, and most of you have known this. They call it a a triumphant entry. Well, it might have been a triumphant entry for those worshipers, but it was not a triumphant entry for Christ because the crucifixion lay ahead of him. And, of course, he triumphed in the crucifixion. But the people had no understanding that he was going to suffer and bleed and die. And that's why Jesus wept as he came down the mountain, as he descended into Jerusalem. Lots of things happened. They shouted praises. The children shouted. You know, I just had this revelation, Evie, as I was uh, looking at my notes. You know, why the enemy wants to harass the children? Because Jesus said, bring them to me. 
They are a picture of the kingdom. And in the children, you see the birth. You see all that things that God has given to us. And no wonder the enemy wants to harass our children because they are a picture of salvation to him. That was just that was one of those little Sila moments that, that you had. You know, that you go, you, for 40 years we looked at this, but all of a sudden I just, when, when she requested prayer, and, and I always try to pray for them, um, even in our bulletin prayer, we, we have prayer. And the reason is because the enemy hates them. They hate their, they, he hates their purity. He hates their innocence. He hates them that Jesus wants them. And he hates them that they're a picture of the kingdom of God to us. That was revelatory to me. So the praises of Hosanna, I think they were serious, but they were sincere, but they were temporary. Because as soon as the harassments of this day came, they caved in. And that's what that's what happens with our discipline. You know, we take a discipline and before we get started, we cave in and we have to go another day or something. But, you know, and know that you will be tempted, you know, that you'll be harassed when you set yourself to grow spiritually. So that's just a given. So in preparation for the Passover, Jesus comes into the city. Everyone knows that. So I would just give you a few scriptures. And if you have your Bibles, you might like to just turn there because maybe the Lord will give you that Selah moment as you read a scripture this morning. But uh, Jesus, you know... The Bible says in Zechariah, it starts in Zechariah 9, 9. That's in the Old Testament, near the end of the Old Testament. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, oh, let me start over. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He's just, he's having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass, the colt of an ass. Jesus, as Jesus came near Jerusalem. Now, notice this, this is Old Testament. They had no understanding what Jesus, what the word of God was saying. They had no understanding of it. It was prophetic. Anybody that cannot believe in the word of God or believe in God, they do not understand English. Because God has set a world record in front of them. He has from the very beginning of the Old Testament, when you study it, and then you study the New Testament, you will see that what happened then is happening now. And so he said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, your king coming. What do you think they thought when they read that? You know, your king cometh and he's riding on this donkey and everybody's going to praise him. I have no idea what they thought because, you know, sometimes in my life things have happened and I've looked back and I thought, how did that, how did that ever come about? I never ever realized that God would do such a thing in, in my life. And so he's always busy. Uh, in Sunday school, it was so great, you know, talk to the mountain, it'll disappear, you know. Well, people look for a mountain out there to disappear, but no, it's a mountain in our life. 
It's a spiritual mountain, something that we don't think we can ever get over. And then all of a sudden, the spirit of the Lord, the anointing of God comes upon our life and we get over that mountain. And sometimes it's this season of discipline is when we do get rid of a mountain. And we need to remember that Jesus always taught in parables, as we heard in Sunday school. And it's important to know that when he says a mountain, he means the mountain in our life, you know, that something is going to bring destruction and uh, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to help us alleviate that mountain. So the response of the worshipers, this is important, church. Matthew 21, 9, they responded, you know, they followed cryings and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They had no understanding what the son of David was. They thought that was probably David. And, and you know, how did they know what they were doing? But they were prophetically worshiping. When they said, you know, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. What an awesome moment to have a revelation that God is the highest. You know, we look at our bills, we think they're big and bold. But and we look at other circumstances in our life and we think they're little mountains or they're big and bold. But you know what? The Bible talks about that he comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, in the highest. No matter what seems high and unhealthy and fearful to you, still Hosanna in the highest. Blessings and honor and power and praise. You know, uh, I try to read the Psalms and I ask the Lord to give me a more powerful praise. You know, because I say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. But, you know, the psalmist had all kinds of ways to praise and it's so wonderful if you if all you can think about is to say thank you Jesus I love you go to the Psalms and he will give you many many ways that you can magnify the Lord and praise the Lord and we need to enlarge our praise and our adoration unto the Lord so we see here the worshipers they had the right idea to worship him they thought they saw maybe somebody read Zechariah and thought well maybe this is something really important I don't know what they thought But I know that they didn't know what was coming like we know what has come. Amen. And so John 12, 13, they took branches. And that's why we have the branches today. They took branches of palm trees and they went forth to meet him. And they cried, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's a great praise right there. Praise the Lord who comes in the name of the Lord and who comes in the name of our God. The multitude seemed sincere, but as soon as they were harassed, as soon as they saw the problems and the difficulties and the things that was going, they had to choose. They had to make a decision. That's where we are today. We have to choose to serve the Lord. We have to choose to have a pure salvation. A lot of people think they have a salvation because they wear the cross. They might think that they have a salvation because they go to church on Easter Somebody called me uh, on my um, computer and said, I'm not I'm not an Easter Easter worshiper, but I would like to know if you would baptize our child. Well, we don't baptize, but we do dedicate and I sure will. And I'll preach to you before I do. You know, there are the conviction of our forefathers is gone from the house of God. It's gone from humanity because even a sinner would have known not to say, I'm an Easter worshiper. 
Even they would be embarrassed to say that. My brother used to come on Mother's Day. And he said, well, Mom, I can't get there the rest of the time. I just want to come on your day. You know, and my mom would give him a big sermon about how he should come every day. And my mom was good with those short sermons. But, you, you know, but he would never say, I am a Mother's Day worshiper. I just come on Mother's Day. He would never tell anybody that. He said, well, yeah, I go to church on occasion. <laughs> I go to church sometimes. My mom is this. And, you know, then he backs up on his mom. You know, and I think we have a lot of people in Christianity today that back up on their parents or what their parents did or what their aunt did or their grandma did instead of having a true relationship with Jesus Christ. However, I do know that my my you can't live with my mother and not have a real relationship. So um, and I was with him at the last and he he confessed his salvation and I'm grateful for that, but I'm, I would have wanted him to serve the Lord with all of his heart. And that's what we want to say to the churchgoers today. Give a half a day of Sunday to the Lord. Give Saturday the Sabbath a day of rest. Rest from all your labors and meditate upon what's going to happen tomorrow. And if you're gifted in the gifts of the Spirit, start praying and asking that God is going to use you and, and uh, hone in on Saturday and get ready for Sunday. That's what a true worshiper will do. You cannot be caught up in all the things of the world and then go into the house of God and be and, and expect to be used in the depth of his spirit. So that's just that's uh, that's just a side note. So they took branches and they waved him. That's like we did. And they spread their clothes in front of the way of him. And it was a wonderful moment. There was a euphoria in the air as they worshipped him and as they gave of their substance and as they did it. But, you know, nobody seemed to notice that as Jesus came down the mountain, he began to weep. They didn't cry, church. There's a, there's a cry and there's a weeping. And I think you probably know the difference. You know, there's sometimes you just cry because and then sometimes something transpires in your life and you weep out of the depths of your spirit. And Jesus was sitting on this animal, coming down in the midst of all this high worship and praise. And he was weeping and no one comforted him. No one saw that his heart was breaking, that he was having that moment when his flesh was going to have to yield to the things that was ahead of him, which was crucifixion. So in uh, Luke 19:36, and I pray this is the right reference, it, Luke continues and he says that, as he came nigh the summit, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice. Notice he called them disciples. They were followers. And he said the whole multitude began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Why? Because they saw the mighty works. It wasn't because they had had a heart change. It wasn't because there was anything in their heart of love toward him or any allegiance toward him because they saw the mighty works. They saw the 5,000 fed. They saw the people healed. They saw all sorts of works. But did it affect their spirit? Did it touch their heart in a, in a spiritual way? And the Bible says in, in this passage of Scripture, it says, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. They thought a king was going to raise them out of the tyranny of the Romans. 
And so they were just really gung-ho. But when they saw that he didn't come to be that kind of king, that he was going to rule and reign in a spiritual kingdom, and an eternal praise should have broke forth. But there was no eternal praise. It was just a shallow praise. Verse, the next verse, whatever it is, the Pharisees from among the multitude said to Jesus, Master, rebuke him. He wanted him to rebuke the disciples. Matthew twenty-one fifteen. the chief priests and the scribes, they saw the wonderful things that Jesus did. But instead of seeing their day, day of visitation, of seeing that the visitation of salvation was coming, they did not see that. They saw the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. These were the children that were worshiping. And these were probably the purest praises that was going forth for Jesus at this moment. And the children were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. And they said to Jesus, so shut up these children. We don't we want don't want to hear that. And instead of, you know, usually Jesus says it is written. But in this case, Jesus turned to the Psalms. And he said this question to them. He says, uh, have you never heard out of the mouth of babes? We're not reading now. I'm reading. He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast praise. He was saying, out of innocence, out of holiness, out of righteousness, these are praising me. Why did Jesus weep coming down the mountain? Same reason he wept at Lazarus' tomb, because there was unbelief. Even though they were praising the high praises, they had unbelief in their heart because they were easily turned to the wickedness of the world. And I think, church, that's a grave lesson for us, to meditate upon these things and to see where purity really is. And it's in the innocence. It's in the children. And that's why I saw that this morning. Because I thought that's why the devil helps them. Hates them. Because he can deal with us and make us, you know, have a little bad day. But the children are pure. And the enemy wants to erode them. And it's just abominable what the enemy is doing today. So the kind of praise that God wants is pure praise. So usually before we start to praise, we have to repent. You know, it's good to cleanse ourselves before that. That's what the discipline's about today, that we would cleanse ourselves as we enter into the Holy Week and that we would have grown over these 40 days a little more spiritual than we was last time. I tell the church this today, and it's prophetic. We need to wake up and see how close the coming of the Lord is. We need to have a little more unction of the spirit in us when we worship. We need to be a little more boisterous against the works of darkness because Jesus is coming. And one way or the other, he's coming soon. Some Maybe sooner for some of us, but, you know, the point is we're going to be in eternal praise. I mean, I can't even imagine what eternal praise is. It's a holy praise. It's a, it's a, a praise that just glorifies more than anything we can ever do. We might try to put in all the great good words, but eternal praise is just praise that we haven't even ever thought of. It's going to exude from us when we get into eternity. 
So Jesus beheld the, the city, he wept over it, and, he, and the pur- purpose was because of the day of visitation was coming and they hadn't discerned it. And does the Church of Jesus Christ discern the day of visitation today? We discern how evil this, this day is. We discern the laws that they're making. We discern the things that they're going to do, trying to do to our children and all those things. We discern those things. But do we discern that this is the thing, these are the things that come about when the coming of the Lord gets closer? The enemy gets eviler, if that's possible. And, and what is more evil than the things they want to do to our children? So they didn't deserve the day of visitation. And I pray that Christianity will discern this day a visitation. This is the day to witness. This is the day to stand up for God. This is the day to discipline ourselves. This is the day to put God first in our life, to, get, to go to the house of the Lord first, to worship him first, to do what he asks us to do first, and then we can go and do what we want. But it's about putting him first. And I think that uh, over the years, and, and I, I've been guilty of it too, is that we get caught up in building the building. We get caught up in building the church and get caught up in numbers and we lose sight of who Jesus is and how powerful he is and that it's about him and it's not about the beautiful building or it's not about the things that we do but it's about the son of the living God and we need to be singing blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord because he's already come and he lives in us so we have a greater praise and a greater shout than we have uh, than, than than they had now, Jesus' journey is coming to a close, and all of a sudden, we see his feelings. How many have feelings? Usually, they can be more powerful, angry feelings than loving, kind feelings. But Jesus, in his earthly form, we're going to see he has feelings. He's weeping as he comes down the mountain. He knows that crucifixion is ahead of him. He doesn't really know what that is. He hasn't gone through it. He knows he knows mindfully what it is, but he doesn't know how it's going to feel in the flesh because he's never been in the flesh before. So he has feelings. And then we see the great feelings of anger in Jesus. He comes down out of the mountain. They're still praising. They're still dancing. They're still waving their palm leaves. They're still doing those things. But he sees what's going on in the temple. You have to read this. He sees what's going on in the temple. And we have this biblical explanation that he comes down from the mountain. He goes into the house. How many knows what he does? He sees them selling the sacraments, the doves and the lambs. And he sees all that going on in the temple. And we see his righteous anger. And he goes in there and he really has a fit. It's a godly fit. He throws them out. He gets out a whip and he goes to town and cleans out the temple. That's what the discipline is about, church, in the spirit. He, he's going to see what's in our temples. He is no longer necessarily interested in the house. He's interested in the temple. You're the temple. I'm the temple. And he sees us in the temple. And then he cleanses us. He takes us through disciplines. He takes us through heartaches. He takes us through suffering. He takes us through those things. Those are not of him. He allows them to come that we might grow and be a stronger Christian. And what's needed in Christianity today is stronger saints. We need to be stronger. We need to be more powerful. 
I don't know about you, but the devil knocks at the door and, and you go hide in the closet. That's what I do sometimes. I know this is really going to be a bad day, so I'm just not even going to go out. Anybody ever feel that way? You know, because the enemy is giving us opportunities. If we do that, we might miss an opportunity that he has for us in the market. He might, we might miss an opportunity that he has on the telephone. So it's important, church. Jesus is angry with the sin in the temple. And I think that he's probably angry today with the sin because people don't marry, people live in, people do these things, and, and saints do this too. You know, and God wants to cleanse the temple. He wants to make us ready for his coming, that we will not have to linger in the outer courts, but we can come into the, into the center of his presence and, and, and be a part of the eternal praises that God has for us. So Jesus is disciplining himself all the time. He's in a discipline, disciplining himself that he can be the sacrament, the lamb slain from the foundation from the foundation of the world. I don't think we think about those things. I don't think we think about what Jesus went through in the flesh to be the sacrifice for our salvation. So we may have a few scrimmages to, clor- to, to cleanse us and prepare us for the coming of the Lord. Well, six days before the Passover, we go to John 12. And Jesus goes to have supper with Mary, Martha, and Luth- and, Luth- and Lazarus. John twelve three and Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. She anointed the feet of Jesus. She wiped uh, his hair. She she, she anointed she. Okay. She anointed the feet of Jesus. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of ointment. Judas murmured. How can Judas do that? Judas murmured. The disciples were with Jesus in these last days. And he murmured. He didn't like it because he was money-minded. And he thought, boy, howdy, this ointment would make so much money for the poor. But we know his mind wasn't on the poor. His mind was on the money. And he was angry. And this could be, and the Bible doesn't exactly say the time, but this could be the time that he went to the Sadducees and the the priests and all these people and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and told told them, I know where he will go to pray and, and I will take you there. So this is the season. This is what we see. So, you know, When he murmured, Jesus said these words. Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my burying. This is what she has done it for. So it's interesting to know that before Jesus died, he had two burings. This is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus at their house. She anointed him and prayed over him. Now, two days before Passover, and this is something that if unless you read this, All the Gospels, you may not see this. Some may know this. But uh, in case you don't know it, two days before, and this is is important, two days before the Passover, he gets to Bethany and he's at Simon the leper's house. And this is in Luke 7, 17, Luke 7, 37. And it says, Behold a woman 
And I want you to see this because it's so important. Luke 7:37. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. You know how Jesus dealt with sinners is really different than we do. This woman was a sinner, and she knew he was at uh, Simon the leper's, and what, former leper. And so when she knew Jesus was at meat with the Pharisee's house, he brought an alabaster box of ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed him with the anointment. You can imagine what Judas thought there. And the scripture says, Jesus said, let her alone. You know, this shall be a memorial to her wherever the gospel is preached. And I was sitting in my office discussing this with somebody, trying to get which anointing was first and which anointing was second and which one if it was different than the other. And I, I was thinking about, about that and I thought, how important it was that Jesus be anointed, you know, for his burial. And when Jesus said that, he says, he says, this will be talked about throughout all the ages. And here we are talking about it. Here we are talking about exactly what happened. And that's what Jesus said would happen. He said, let her alone. You no, know, she's done this for my burying. And, and because of this, there shall be a memorial to her that throughout all the world, they will know that she did this. And as we were sitting there discussing that, the individual said to me, and look, we're discussing it now. And now we're in discussing it in church. And when you go home and talk to Donnie, you'll be discussing it too. <laughs> you know, and think about how powerful the Word of God is. Think about the simplest thing. It just awakens something in you. And you, you have those little moments, you know, they're little Little moments of revelation and, and you think it's awesome and you tell somebody else and they say, oh, that's nice, you know. But to you, it's a revelation. You know, God is speaking. We, we want to hear his audible voice like they heard in the mountain when the Ten Commandments was given in. Maybe we will, but if we don't, he's always speaking. If we be quiet long enough, if we seek him enough, if we love him enough, he will speak to us. And sometimes you're driving along and you have this thought in your mind, well, I, I should call so-and-so. Well, that's the Lord. The devil's not going to tell you to call him and encourage him. That's the Lord. Pull over, call him on your phone, and talk to him. You know, if we would be that uh, instant, in season, think what God would do in our lives. If we'd just be so instant to respond. And if he didn't say it, it won't hurt a thing because we want to encourage people. You know, people are so, the enemy has put a fear in us that, well, we might, it might not be God. It doesn't matter if it's God or not. Do it and see what God will bring forth out of it. Thank you, Jesus. Well, so this was a sinner anointing our Jesus before he paid the price for our salvation. And I'm sure it doesn't, we don't know what happened to her but I'm sure she was weeping and her weeping must have spoke to the heart of Christ. And, and he said, wherever this, more, this woman is remembered, it's a memorial to her. So I think we'll meet her in eternity. This shall be a memorial to her wherever this message is preached throughout the world. We're still talking about her today. 
The word of God is revelatory, church. So the great day of celebration, Jesus comes riding down the mountain. Praises is filling the air. Children are crying and worshiping and saying, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They throw their garments before him. Jesus weeps because they don't see the day of visitation. And he's still weeping today because this is a day of visitation for us. The nastier our world gets, the more testimony he needs from us. The more light he needs to shine from us. Maybe our light has been a small light. Our light needs to tend to grow to a beacon. That if they they may persecute you if it gets to a beacon. You know, they just say, don't talk to me. I'll come and eat dinner with you if you don't talk to me about God. Then you know that you're you're on key. You know you're doing your job because, you know, Jesus was persecuted for our salvation. How, how can we not take on persecution for him? So only the ransomed of the Lord will experience the glorious eternal praises. That's my message today. And I want to ask you, it because of time, if you in your devotions this week, if you would read Psalm 148. Psalm 148. These are the eternal praises that's going throughout heaven. Well, you know, the angelic beings sing, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. You know, we know that. But this is a psalm of praise and adoration. And it will stir your spirit as we come to the close of our 40 days of discipline. So Psalm 148. It's not a large psalm, but it's eternal praise. That's what we're that's why we're serving the Lord, that we can come into the power and the anointing of the presence of heaven and hear the eternal praises that they are so high and so holy and so righteous that we'll just be like zombies. You know, we'll just be I can see I I just feel like I'll just be spread out trying to understand all that's going on in heaven. But he doesn't have no zombies there, church. You don't have no zombies there. He has only praisers and dancers and worshipers and shouters and and aisle runners. That's all he has there. He has people in heaven that's motivated to worship him, to raise their voice and to give him glory and adoration. And it's pure and straight from the heart. So if you would just read Psalm 148 in the next Sunday, I'm going to ask you. That's Resurrection Sunday and more than a sermon because we how can you preach anything more than Jesus Christ coming out of the tomb and him resurrected and our freedom and liberty. So I want you to read this and have a note now, not sermons, (laughs) but a five minute exhortation if you want and to to say what you feel when you heard the eternal praises of heaven. Maybe that will exhort us to break a little ground in us and give a little more loudness to the worship and adoration. Not just loudness, but excitement. Excitement, excitement. So Jesus, he loves us so much that he would suffer and bleed and die. Thursday night is about his sufferings. It's to remind us of his sufferings. It's not enough to just say, Jesus suffered and bled and died for my salvation. But you will hear the cruelty. You will hear them mocking him. You will hear those kinds of things that reveal more of his sufferings than we really think about sometimes. So standing in the midst of the glorious eternal worship of high praise. Well, who can stand? Who will be able to stand in the eternal praises of heaven? So Psalms.
palms, why do we raise palms? Not because the shallow praises was on the mount as Jesus came in. We raise the palms in expectation of eternal praise because the Bible says in 148 that they wave their palms before the throne when we get there. So these these palms here are just grown. They're just from this earth, but the palms we have in heaven, I, what, what, where will they come from? I don't know. They come from God's trees, his holy trees that never die. Hallelujah. Well, let's just be worshipful today. Let's experience the eternal praises and set our hearts to remember his suffering as we come to the dark night of Friday. Jesus, we love you today. Oh, God, help us to see your suffering in a new light that we might just praise you, Lord, from the depths of our heart. God, prepare us for this final week, Lord, as our discipline comes to a close. Oh, God, speak to our hearts. Motivate us, oh, God, I pray. We look forward to Resurrection Sunday, Lord. We already have experienced it, but it will be just wonderful once more to think about it the glorious resurrection that you give to us. Help us discern the day of visitation, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Bless the offering today as we bring our gifts to you. Give you glory and honor and power and praise. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.